Thank you, Luke. Pastor Luke. It has been a week. It was my birthday week. When's his birthday? Birthday week. Thank you for all of you that uh, gave me gifts, especially those that gave steak dinners. That was all right. But my best gift, I'll just have to tell you this year, was a baby grandson. Yeah, and, and his name is Ephraim, which means, you know, I'm blessed. And I, I, I agree with that. I am blessed. Heath and May, our second oldest son, um, had a child on Wednesday, and uh, I was about halfway through my steak. Gwen took me out to eat, and and I was, and it's all about this guy. You know what I mean? It's my birthday. Not anymore. I'm the guy sitting over there at that table when we're blowing out candles at this table. But I am willing to be that guy. It is so good to have Mark and Wendy Allred. Would you just raise your hands right here? (laughs) He was called Pastor Mark, and we still, our children still call him Pastor Mark. Uh, You know, he served at our church for years in the youth ministry, and before that, just general gopher. I mean, he did everything. I loved... Pastor Mark, his attitude of doing anything, he would go, go, go. Uh, He put together an outreach on uh, what we, in our culture, call Halloween. We called it Glow in the Dark. I don't know how many still remember that, but we did it several years out in front. We would bring in all these different things, fire trucks and um, different activities. And we had, like one time, over a 1,000 people, I believe it was, with the... um, the newscast out there. It was pretty exciting. And uh, we just appreciate him and Wendy and all that they've done. They moved to Dallas, but we're glad to have them here this morning. You know, I was uh, just being blessed and thinking about our grandchildren now that we have four grandsons. And uh, just that, do you remember that feeling of when you first started out, you and your wife? Come on, let me see your hand if you're married. Do, do you remember that maybe the the thought of, you know, sleeping with somebody and how maybe uncomfortable that was. I, I remember one time that I heard a story about a young couple and they were going to get married. And, and after they said, I do, you know, yeah, let's, let's get married. They began to realize that something was coming and that was that, that fear of that first night. And here's why the fear was, not what you're thinking. We're in church. Come on now. But the, the, the thing was, is the, the guy had a problem because he had such terrible foot odor. He thought, oh no, what am I going to do? You know, she's going to, It just so happened that the wife had a problem too that she didn't share, and it was bad breath. I mean, it was awful. I mean, it was so terrible, it'd take the paint off the wall. That's bad. So they both feared, you know, what was going to happen. And they came up to that point where they were going to have to get married. I mean, you know, they didn't have to get married, but they were going to get married. And, and they, 
they started thinking, what are we going to do? So the, the future husband went to his father and said, Dad, Dad, I love her, but I've got a problem. You know my problem. I got terrible foot odor. He said, son, I got it. What you do is, before you get in bed, slip on some socks. It'll hide it. Nobody will know. She won't know. It'll be good. Thank you, Dad. I appreciate that. So he felt better about the, the first night. The, the lady, she thought, oh, no, what am I going to do? She went to her mother, and her mother says, I got it. I got it. What you're going to do is you're going to put some breath mints right by the bed, and you've got to get up before he does, put a couple of those in your mouth, and, you know, swish it around there a little bit, get feeling fresh, and it'll be okay. So both of them and their fear started residing. You know, they started coming down and they, I can do this. So sure enough, they got married the ceremony first night. Early in the morning, the, the guy, the new husband, woke up. He started feeling around and he, he realized one of his socks had come off. And then Terry thought, oh no, what am I going to do? So he went under the covers looking for that sock. About that time, the new wife woke up and yelled out, What are you doing? He poked his head out of the covers and said, I lost my sock and I think you ate it. You're dismissed. Have a good day. No, 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 no. There's something about fear in all of us, and and sometimes it's comical, but for most of us, when we're going through it, you know, it's not a laughing matter. But it's true that a lot of things that we worry about or we're afraid of or we're discouraged about, how many many can agree with me, no, wait just a minute, that looking back on almost everything that we have feared, we kind of laugh about it and kind of, what was I thinking? What was I doing? How many people have ever done that beside me? And see, the enemy tries to get us to think back on our life and all of our experiences that we have, and we think, well, you know, this is probably our lot in life. But as new believers, you come into knowing Christ and you make a decision to follow him. But a lot of times we do not understand that when we become in covenant with the creator of the universe, his his benefits, the privilege of being a child of God follows us. And this morning, I want to talk about the subject again. And and some of you will say, all right, I've heard this. You know, it's not a matter of hearing that you might walk in fear. It's what you do when you're walking in fear. Can you remember the things that God has told you to do? Because if you don't remember them, when it presents itself, most of the time it's too late. You'll enter into that fear, that worry, that discouragement. And the enemy begins to speak into your life of your identity of who you are. And most of the time, he'll base your identity at present on what you've done in the past, good, bad, and indifferent. And what he tries to do is begin to get you so fearful that you'll either stop doing the things of God or even not claim to even be a Christian. You know, I just can't do this. Give up. I want you to 
remember where we are in our series, and we've been talking about the blessing of God in our life. And what I've been saying almost every week is that you're not lucky, but you're blessed. And everything that you have is because of the grace and favor of God on your life. And a lot of times we get to the place and we go, you know, it is by coincidence that I'm here or it's just by this thing. No, no. It's by the grace of God on our lives as children of God. If you're a believer in God and you're a follower, a disciple, a disciplined learner, and that's what we're going to talk about, a disciplined learner of Jesus Christ so that then when fear comes, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. What you do when that happens. Now, in the series that we're talking about, we're, we're talking about possessing the promises that God is, has in our life. And this is a, a subject we talked about last week, the same thing about remembering on Father's Day. But again, I just could not get off of this subject when I was praying and preparing today's message. This is so important. And let me tell you this. We know that faith cometh by hearing the word of God not heard the word of God, and that is a constant base. You are hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. And watch this. In Joshua chapter 1, we've talked about this for several weeks, and we've already passed it, but I want to remind you of what's happened. The children of Israel for 40 years have been wandering out into the wilderness because of disobedience. You know, disobedience causes a fruit, and the consequences of that disobedience a lot of times comes back and the only thing that we can you know hope for is that uh that we don't have a harvest or that you know it it isn't as bad but walking in obedience is so important because god said this this isn't john miller this is in deuteronomy 28 he told his children tells us when you do the things that i've asked you to do commanded you to do all these things you'll be blessed in the city you'll be blessed in the country You'll be blessed going in, coming out. You'll be the head and not the tail. A lot of times you say, well, you know, I've been, I feel like the tail of every, what are you doing? What, what are the systems that's operating in your life causing the fruit that you don't want? Identity is so important. It's the habits. It's the little things that you do over and over and over and over and over. You know, they're just micro. They're atomic habits. They're so little that sometimes you don't even think that they matter. I've already read the Word of God. I want to talk to you today about the passages of Scripture that so many times when somebody says, read the Word of God, and, and they've said it all my life. And if you've been in this church, we've said it all of the church's life, read the Word of God. But you go, it's like an elephant. How do I eat the whole elephant? And as you know, one bite at a time. It's where do you start? Where is it that you go to? Where is it that's going to build my faith? This morning, I hope that you have a pen and paper, or at the least, you have a phone that you can take some pictures when we put some slides up of the scriptures. Joshua. Here he is. It's a new generation. His generation has come to the promise and turned back out of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Can God really take us in and give us this land that we've been hearing for hundreds of years that flows with milk and honey? They've sent spies in. They came back. Yeah, it's exactly what God had said. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. God says, I'm going to give you cities that you did not build. You're going to have olive groves. You're going to have uh, vineyards that you didn't plant. 
How many's up for it? Everybody went. Let's go. But once they got into the wilderness, the transition between the the, uh, slavery of Egypt into the promised land of Israel, they begin to complain, murmur, doubt. They get to the brink of going in. They go in, the spies come out, and they go, man, I tell you what, the people there are too big for us. They're giants. Now watch this. They said this about themselves. This is identity. This is who they are. We look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked like grasshoppers to them. With that perspective, they chose to stop. We can't do it. Out of that disobedience of not believing that they could do it with God already promising 40 years in the wilderness. Let's call those people the grasshopper people, the grasshopper generation. If you don't know now, don't be part of the grasshopper generation. Everybody of that age passed away in the wilderness for 40 years. They get up to the promised land. They get up to the Jordan River. And God says, now's the time. Joshua, watch this. In verse 5 to verse 8 is, in my opinion, the key to this whole story of the promised land. And it is the key to our lives. That's a pretty big, bold statement, isn't it? Let's read it together. In verse 5, God says this to a man that has come back with faith the first time of possessing the land. Now he's going to be the leader in possessing the land by taking the people over. And it says this in verse 5. God says, Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, why did he say that? Because Joshua could have seen all the things that God did with Moses. So he's promising, I'm going to be just like that with you. I'll just be that same way with you, chapel. You guys were ready for that. Good. Just like I was with Moses, so I... Now again, he's saying, I, this is God. Can can I tell you, the creator of the universe is saying this. I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's a difference between leaving and forsaking, right? You can be present with somebody and and really gone. You're just taking up space. But he's saying, I'm not going to be like that. This is the part of the Bible that just is missed so many times. And it's, it's something that people forfeit in their life. He's the God of the beginning and the end. Yay! But He's the God of the middle. God, are you going to be the same on the mountaintop? Are you not going to change in the valley? Nope, I'm going to be the same. I'm going to be with you. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. Because God, I need to know in every season, God, are you going to be this? Yeah, I'm going to be there. We're going to sing that at the end of the service. And I want you to sing it boldly because as a belief system, you're singing it out of your mouth and I need your ear to hear yourself sing that confession. Joshua hears God saying this to him. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. I promised it for years just like he's promised the people that are breathing in this room right now. 
be strong and very courageous. He, he kind of winches it up a notch, doesn't he? Be strong and very create, courageous. I'm sorry, let's go back to verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be mediocre in whatever you do. No. You'll be second place. You'll be in the running. You'll be always the bridesmaid, but never the bride. I'm going to stop there with the illustration. Let's go on. No, it says that you may be successful wherever you go. Do you believe that? Now, now watch this. We're going to talk about this, but it's going to be up to you if you actually do believe it. Because I don't know about you, but even in my life, sometimes I get sick of me saying, I can say it, but when it comes down, do I actually do it? Do I actually believe it to the point of doing it? That's the difference. And people that you come in contact will see that almost immediately. Are you a doer of the word, or are you just a hearer? So, so think about it. How can we be successful? How can we be strong and courageous, not being afraid or discouraged? Verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Doesn't that seem a little bit excessive? There's a reason. Listen, it goes on to say, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, see there's an outcome. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. He said this three times. Be strong. This is God. This is the God of the universe, the creator of the human body. He knows what you, the hairs on your head. And he's telling Joshua, be strong and courageous. Haven't I told you? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And then he says this. Watch this. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, now watch this. The difference between this generation and the generation that's pulled up short, the, the grasshopper generation, is because they said to themselves, we, we see it in obvious actions on their part. They've been wondering for 40 years in the wilderness, eating something called manna, which is provision. It'll keep you alive, but it's, it, it, you know, we don't even know what it is for sure. The closest thing, maybe like rice cakes. I, I don't know. Spam. <laughs> Tofu. It, it, anyway, it, it's something that is a provision, and it's, it's enough, but let me tell you, they're looking for milk and honey. They're not going back to the wilderness. They're going to determine whatever we're going forward. It's very important for us to understand this. In order for that to happen, they have to cross the Jordan River. We talked about this already. It's at flood stage. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God. It's an ark. Maybe you saw it on Raiders of the Law. Anyway, he goes out into the middle of the river, and the water is dammed up, up the river, and it doesn't flow down. They go across on dry ground. They make a monument of rocks out of the bottom of the river on the other side of the river so that every time the children would go, Dad, what's that? 
So every Father's Day, hopefully some of the fathers would drag their kids down there and go, see that right there? That's what God did for us. He brought us through to the promise that he had given us. So they go through the Jordan River. As soon as they're on the other side of the Jordan River, they do perform something that has been neglected, not neglected, but just not put into practice, and that is circumcision of all of the men because that had stopped from the time they came out. Let me tell you, it's a time of remembering the covenant. That's what the circumcision is in the Old Testament, of believing in the covenant of God, a sign on the mortal body that I am in covenant with the creator of the universe. Now watch this. As soon as they did that, miracles, not just the Jordan River miracle, because there's no man that did that. That was God. But all of a sudden, that unleashed the benefits and the privileges of their action of crossing over into the land, different than their fathers. You get to chapter 5, as we know, and we talked about this, and I just want to, again, tie this all together. They're going to face Jericho as the first obstacle in their, their promise. But the captain of the host story that we just talked about a few uh, weeks ago, I, I want to bring you to this. Because Joshua's out scouting and he sees this command. It says, a man with a flaming sword. Now, this, this is what some people would say is fairy tale or, you know, the goblins and the rings and the, you know, whatever, you know. Now, this, this was something that was real. Here's the commander of the army of God, Joshua. He's been in the wilderness for 40 years because of the disobedience of other men. He's ready to fight. He sees a guy with his sword, and he comes up to him, and, and let's go. It's on. Let's dance. We're gonna. But the story is that Joshua says, are you for us or for our enemies? Remember this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is God in person. This is even what they would say is the manifestation, the physical being possibly of Jesus in the Old Testament. Now let me have you just process that a minute. And when, when there's a little bit of a tug going, no, no, I don't, I don't know about that. Remember John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That, that's Jesus. Remember that what happens next in the story is the, the, the man with the sword says, I'm not with neither. I'm the captain of God's army, and I just arrived. Joshua falls to his knees and worships him. And the man says, take off your sandals because now you're standing on holy ground. Now, now listen to this. It was a sin to worship an angel. The only one that you were to bow down as a follower, a covenant believer, like Joshua was, was to God. So here is... God in person showing up because of their obedience of crossing over the Jordan River into the promise. And now there's a, 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 a realization that we're not in this alone. 
that, that God is going to go before us and set up a blessing. Huh? Didn't we just sing that? I'm sorry, are you here? Didn't, didn't we just say that? That he's going to go before us. And so the, the, what, what it's called is the captain of the host. The host of what? The armies, the angel army of God. Now, and we just briefly, let me just quickly say this and we'll move on. Jesus at the crucifixion in the New Testament, when Pilate is trying to do all these word jousting and, you know, what is truth and all he says, do you not know that I could call a legion of angels to rescue me if I wanted to? A legion of around 5,000. I think he said, am uh, I not mistaken, 12 legions of angels? So that's somewhere around 60,000 angels. And we talked about a few weeks ago how one angel in the Old Testament killed 185,000 uh, enemy soldiers in like one day, boom. So how many could 60,000? More than enough. When we look at this, miracles are able to happen because of their obedience. Crossing over the Jordan River, the captain, the general of God's army shows up and says, I'm here. Let's go. Miracle after miracle happens. They, Jericho falls, or you know, you, you see how that's a miracle. Uh, the next battle, the next barrier is that they, they fall off track. They, they defeat two little cities that should have been nothing more than uh, a bump in the road. But somebody had disobeyed the commandments of God, and, and read it for yourself. But they took care of that, and the miracle started again, one after another. Last week we talked about remember, remember, remember. They're always piling up rocks as a monument. The circumcision was a, a sign of remembering who you were. They would go to next city like Jericho and the walls fell down. Woo! We know that story. When the walls fell, you're not even supposed to rebuild that city. Why? When everybody sees that, that's going to be a monument to the defeat of the enemy. After that, they, they go into uh, Ai and Bethel. They destroy it finally. God says to Joshua, I want you to build what? Another monument. This time I want you to cover it with plaster and put the law of God on it so that everybody can hear it and read it again. Why? Be careful to do all the things that I've asked you to do. It's so important for us to remember that. Why? Because fear is going to come into your life and tell you you're not who God says you are. And when that opposition comes against you, if you know the word of God, again, here's what I'm, I, I believe, and in, in just use this as a mental posture, that you begin to throw your shoulders back and you begin to say, that's not who I am now. Can I get at least one other amen? Amen. amen. Remember, remember, remember. Can I say this? The people who can't remember the goodness of God and testify won't be able to believe him for the impossible that they're going to need in tomorrow. When we go through the test and we come through and we look back and we say, God, you're good. That's a testimony of going through the test, going through the struggle, going through the barriers of our life. This morning, the barrier of your life is the fear that keeps you even from trying it. 
Don't be that person because you won't be looking for God to do the impossible. You'll be looking from the perspective of fear, fear, doubt, and unbelief, always coming in. See, we pray at this church, God put me at the right place at the right time to meet the right people to bring about all that you've destined for me in my life. And God, when that happens, please help me know when it's there. I don't, I don't want to know three years ago, man, I was in the right place at the right day and I missed it. So many times the Holy Spirit is speaking and sometimes I feel in my life like he's yelling. You're in the right place, John. You're, you're right here where I've got you. You know, the knocking on the door comes and what? Okay, here it is. In my life, there's some things that there's no, no way it makes sense for where I was, let's say, in high school. But listening to God put me in this place at that time and put him in the right place at that I got to experience so much more just by listening to the Holy Spirit. See, in this story, the captain of the host with the flaming sword, we know he goes into a physical battle. But what we know is when the Holy Spirit resides in us, listen to this. Ephesians chapter 1 says that Paul says to the new church, as I've read many times, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know God better. And that you might know that the power, that you might know the power that resides in you is the power that raised Christ from the dead. That's the Holy Spirit. He's inside of you. He's the captain of the host saying, are you going to follow me? If you follow me, we're going to possess the promises that God has given us. Ooh, yeah. The difference is the grasshopper generation was expecting to be devoured and consumed. Therefore, they couldn't move forward. See, the enemy will always get you to look back. Look back, look. See, what God asks us to do in walking with him is not the reality of the day. It's looking with eyes of faith and not walking by sight. There, there's nobody here. I'm not disagreeing with they were, there were giants in the land. I, I, I have no problem agreeing with them that they cannot go possess the land on their own. But when you put in that statement, God's going to go with them. Everything's changed. Everything now is a new day. Do, do you remember what the, the, uh, what the command of God was? When the Ark of the Covenant goes forward, follow the presence of God. Why? You have never been this way before. It's a new day. Therefore, it's a new way in your life. See, they've been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. I don't even think they had a compass. So they didn't know where they were going. They had to follow God for 40 years. When the cloud, when the pillar, you know, changed directions, they got up and moved. They were nomadic. They were now trained to follow God. What are we going to do today, God? In our lives, sometimes, not just because it gets easy in our life, but sometimes we get to knowing all this, but it gets easier. And then we start thinking, we might not actually mentally say I'm not following God anymore. 
But that's why it's so important to be in the Word of God to, again, build that standard that brings us back to what that is and what that is not. That shouldn't be happening. That should be. I should be doing that more. Okay. So this morning, I want to bring you to a part of the story that is amazing. And we'll, we'll finish it next week. But in this part of the story, if you'll look at Joshua, it, it looks like five kings are going to come against and attack an ally. I'm going to fast forward as quick through this. I encourage you to read it. But there was an a, a area of the promised land. Everybody there was going to be destroyed. But one of them realized the strength of the Israelites and made an ally or an agreement, a covenant with them. Even though the Israelites should not have done that out of an honest heart, they said, okay. They thought that the people that were there to perform a treaty was hundreds and hundreds of miles away. I'll just leave it at that. So they show up with some of the elders in their tribe and said, would you make an ally with us and, and... Israel didn't really need an ally, but they said, okay. Come to find out, they lived right in the middle of the Holy Land, the Israelite, or the Israel that they were going to conquer. But because they made an agreement of a treaty, they honored it with God saying, it's okay. I wish I could paint this picture better, but they made an agreement with a tribe or an area, a village, a city called Gibeon, the Gibeonites. Gibeonites, remember that. So instead of saying, you deceived us and just wipe them all out, like they're going to do the whole country, they said, you'll be our servants. And the people that realized that in Gibeon goes, we're good with that. So Israel is camped out at a place called Gilgad, closer to the Jordan River. When word comes from Gibeon, these five kings have come against us and they're going to destroy us. Joshua, come help us. We're allies. Joshua asks of the Lord and God says, go get them. Sookie, sookie, go get them. It says that this time Joshua takes the whole army. I love it when it says that. He takes the whole army, including a little pause, and then including this little phrase, including the mighty men. These guys are the razors. They march all night. We'll talk about what happens next week, but I want you to read that. But here's what I want you to know. They performed fear on the Gibeonites, which is the first test for the children of Israel, really, in the promised land. Jericho was a small city. They, they outnumbered. The walls came down, defeated them. Bethel and Ai were something of a smaller area. They defeated them. But now five of the mightiest kings in this whole land are going to come out against them. Even though they're in the promised land, even though they're seeing miracles, even though they're going to remember miracles, what are they supposed to remember? The key part that I want you to take away today is this. In verse 9 of Joshua chapter 1, 1, 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, God tells him, go. And then what does he say? 
because I will be with you. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. All their kings, all of their men, you'll win. Now, in the next few minutes, I want you to remember something that's so important. And I want you to hear this. Be numbered. When they're counting people in your circle of friends, be numbered among the undevourable. People that are not able to be consumed by the enemy. You say, Pastor, explain that. Good. I'm glad you asked. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, lion, seeking whom he may devour. Realize he can't come in and just wreak destruction on your health, your finances, and your relationships. You have to realize that the word of God, seeking whom he may devour. How does he, how do you give him the right to devour you? You believe the roar is real. See, there's another lion in the Bible, and he's mentioned as the Lion of Judah. He's not like a lion. He's the real thing. He's Jesus Christ. And we know that his Holy Spirit lives with inside of us. And when the enemy comes roaring like a lion, what he's doing is he's giving you, and I made this look, FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Did God really say that? He's doing it all the way in Genesis to Adam and Eve. And all through the Word of God, you'll pick it up here and there and here and there. All he has to do is put a little uncertainty, a little fear, a little doubt in your mind, and you begin to walk in fear. The most mighty men of God... If they stayed in the word of God, it was amazing how they could look at David defeating giants. I mean, doing miracle after just a little bit off. The line of Judah on the cross for our sins, shed his blood. He redeemed us. In other words, because of the sin in our life, he redeemed us. He bought us back. He restored us better than, better than new. And when the enemy comes in seeking whom he may devour in your world, that's immediately when you allow the Holy Spirit to rise up inside of you and say, oh no, I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm not going to walk in uncertainty and doubt. When does it happen? It happens every day of our life, just a little bit. Just like what I've encouraged you to do with atomic habits, the, the little things that happen. You know, you know I, can, I can get into the little thing. You know what? If I just brush my teeth just a few minutes a day, it keeps me from having bad teeth. Amen? That's very something that we all hopefully agree on. If I just do a shower just a day, People like to be around me more than when I don't do a shower every day. Little habit, just a little habit. When I drive my car in my lane and don't run into the person in front of me, I don't, I don't have a problem. No problem. Little habit, little habit, just do it a little every day. It's the same thing. If you, listen, when you're in the Word of God, I want you to be looking 
longing and expecting to God to show up. What I want you to do is this. When the devil shows up and tries to intimidate you in who you are, Lisa touched on it today, that the core lie that happens in all of us is against our identity. Are you good enough? Are you tall enough, short enough, old enough, young enough? And that's just fear. I'm not enough. But when the intimidation comes over you, you say, no, I'm not walking in that fear. And you begin to become among the numbered that are among the undevourable. So I cannot be consumed by the enemy. I know who my God is. And as long as I know who he is, he will never leave me nor forsake me. the enemy begins to attack in your life. You can hear that, fear not. I know that it's easy to say that, but harder to do. I'm right there with you. But it's the habit that you created, that you're constantly meditating on the word of God. All the passages, especially that says, I'm going to be with you, fear not. Can I end this message by reading out of the message translation First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 11. Watch this. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged in these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on, the, on your faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before the generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. Lisa, why don't you come back? Lead us in this song that we're not going to walk in fear. To be able to personalize it with what you are right now, where you are in your life, what you're going through, what God has promised in your life. Begin today. It's a new day. It's a new way. Allow it to be a confession out of your mouth as you sing this song. Would you stand?